DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Join the big show Wednesday from 2 to 7 at the Warehouse, 1825 South, 300 West in Salt Lake City. Price is so low, it'll blow your mind. Boom. We're joined now by Dick Harmon, sports columnist for the Deseret News. Dick, good morning. Good morning, fellas. Thanks for having me on. Snow, Masters, college football. Is your life turned upside down? Um... Yeah, but I, I kind of like it. I kind of like the Masters in the fall a little bit. Give us something to look forward to. Uh, but, yeah, Sergio just tested positive, so he's out. Yep. Well, BYU is rolling. 8-0. and The best BYU football team since. Dick, you've seen a lot of BYU football teams, so I'm curious your opinion on this. No, it's kind of a it's kind of with an asterisk on it because of the season. I mean, this is such a strange season to scrap a whole schedule and plug in another one, and then do what you do. You miss an army game, and then you get on a run. But uh, I think the thing that's impressed me the most about this team is that the chemistry level is extremely high. Kalani has got his guys in that he's recruited. His developmental program is paying dividends. They have played a weak uh, schedule, but they've done what they should have done and won all those games but the other part of it is they've blown people out consistently except for one game that was taken into the fourth quarter they have really pounded people it doesn't matter who it was or where it was and at the end in the fourth quarter in most all of these games they haven't had to play their their starters so that's been very impressive i think you go back to the uh 11 win season with um john beck and um and uh, Max Hall, I don't think I've seen as, as many explosive plays and consistency on offense with Zach Wilson in, in, in a long, long time, probably back to those days. So you've literally seen every great quarterback that BYU has had over the years, going back 40 years. Uh, compare Zach Wilson to what you've seen in some of those great quarterbacks. What were some of those their attributes to what Zach Wilson has? Well, back in the day, the system was so far ahead of defenses that those guys could just uh, you know, literally just kind of choose what numbers they wanted to make, and uh, Doug Skoll and those guys would just chalk it up, and that would be it. Um, and, and we haven't seen that because defenses have progressed, so I think it's been really hard for some quarterbacks the last uh, 10 or 15 years uh, to really throw up those numbers. But, but uh, Josh is doing something that we haven't seen for a very long, long time, probably since McMahon. And that is to throw for uh, you know yards per uh, reception. He's going around 17 right now. They're third in the nation in uh, yards per play. Um, they lead the nation in about four or five different categories. Uh, the thing that sticks out in my mind about Zach is that he's able to make these plays deep downfield, 35, 38 yards, 50 yards. Uh, Romney leads the nation with 30 uh, yards per catch. Uh, I mean, we haven't seen that kind of production deep consistently since McMahon, probably. Um, Detmer uh, put up a godly uh, amount of numbers, just just a gob of points, but he threw a lot of interceptions and kind of bounce snapped. To this date, uh, Zach has thrown, what, one, one pick in eight games? And, um, and I, I think the kid is special. I I I, uh, I really do. I think that he's doing some things that you haven't seen around BYU in uh, probably two decades. And hand in hand with that is the the, the targets that he has. That, you know, this Dax Milk had a walk on. Uh, he can't get covered. Uh, he hasn't been able to be consistently covered by any team in eight games. 
and uh, Romney set out, but, you know, he's doing the same thing. He's got these two guys, and they've got great chemistry. He's throwing the ball to where the defense can't get it, comeback routes, you know, back shoulder routes. He's hitting people in the end zone, these fade routes that BYU has tried and tried to just have, haven't been able to do since Johnny Harling and John Beck. He's throwing those fade routes to a point uh, with, with Isaac Rex and others where, where they're being completed, and that hasn't happened in, in a couple of decades. That's just been a bad play the fade route. So I'm seeing things that I haven't seen out of a BYU quarterback in a long, long time. So is this season sustainable or is it a one-off? I mean, no one really expects it to be sustained at this level, but this is clearly multiple notches above seven and six a year ago. If anything, it jumps out at me. People say it's a soft schedule and it is, but they messed up games that would be part of a soft schedule last year. You know, losing to Hawaii, Toledo, and South Florida. Exactly, Dave, and I, I think that's the thing about this team is that they're they're putting up the points, uh, they're resting people, they're doing exactly what they have to do. But the the, the real the real thing to me is these deep numbers downfield. Uh, when you do that, you can really stretch out a defense, and that's why the run game's working, you know, so well. It's it's a complete package, and I got to credit to Jeff Grimes and Aaron Roderick and uh, Fessy Sataki and. Uh, and all the coaching staff are really putting together something. But, but let's let's face it, they they haven't been able to have a consistently consistency with with their personnel for a few years. So, yeah, I, I do think that they're on to something. I think this is Zach's probably last year. That's unfortunate because he could come back and, and maybe keep this thing rolling. But uh, they do have a four uh, a four star quarterback coming up um, in the ranks, and some other quarterbacks that would be pretty good. But if they got the system working and the personnel coming in to build on things. I think it's sustainable, yeah. That's a big thing, you know, going forward with a four-star quarterback coming up because teams can have big years. We've seen it in the Pac-12 South where each of these teams had good seasons, won the division, and then they just go back down, and two, three years later the coach is fired and you're starting all over again. And they just get in this cycle of starting all over again every five or six years, and it just leads to mediocrity at best. You know, you watch Stanford – I see they got like six, seven LDS kids, and half of them or most of them serve missions and all. They seem to be like prime BYU kids. I'm wondering how big of a deal you think this season could be to give these coaches some ammunition and some cards to deal with when it comes to recruiting and stop losing some of these kids that can really be difference makers for their program. I think you bring up a good point. I, I don't think we can underestimate the fact that if you're undefeated and you're ranked in the top ten, and you're being talked about as uh, a New York uh, a New Year's Day six uh, bowl team, that that those are going to be attractive to some of those kids, and maybe they don't. Uh, no, because Kalani, you know, all of us can agree that Kalani is a very good recruiter. He's good with parents. He's good with the kids. He's had great commits that have uh, decommitted to him and, and gone to places like Alabama and Oregon and. Uh, Ended up at Utah and other places like that, and and you can kind of understand if you're going to win seven games or you're going to have a losing record here and there, or a 500 team, 500 program, and it doesn't appeal to you. But he can now go out and bark about the rankings, about uh, perhaps a, a bigger bowl game. He can uh, he can go out and sell the fact that you've got a possibly Heisman Trophy and an Outland uh, Trophy winner. Uh, at least if they don't win, they'll be in the counting. Um, and I think that's big. You can you can come back and say, okay, here's where we are. They'll probably get two or three people drafted, possibly a first-round draft pick if Zach comes out. Uh, those things count. Those are the things that I think Utah uses on their resume to, to sell recruits, and he can come back now and 
put that in part of his pitch, which he didn't have before. And uh, and I, I think that would, you know, PK, to, to, to what you said, I think that would make a huge difference in the way that they can sell. Is there any doubt in your mind they're going to win the next two games? Um, no. No, I don't think so. I think when they, they rest up and get a couple of people healed up, San Diego State surprised me because of the loss to San Jose State. I, I didn't see that one coming. I have a lot of respect for San Diego State's defense, but uh, this is not the same team. I think Zach put it uh, probably best, and you know, I, I kind of had my ears perk up a little bit after the Boise State game when he, he told people, he says, I've looked at films of our game with Boise State the last two years. Looked at them extensively. He says, we are a far better team than we were in those, those two years. And I think he's right. I think uh, top to bottom, uh, from offensive line to running back, to blocking, to execution, um, to everything that they're doing, they're a far better team than they have been the last two years. I think that one of the things you touched on a little bit, but I want you to elaborate. <clears throat> I think the coaching staff, particularly on the offensive side, and even Tuiaki defensively, they've been really good. Uh, but you know, you can contribute. You could attribute that somewhat to to the competition, or I think offensively. It's more about the talent that they have. And I think a lot of it is just the fact that their coaching staff, basically the three key guys uh, with uh, Grimes and A-Rod and Sataki, Fessy I'm speaking of, have been together. So now you got the combination of the kids being together for a number of years with the coaches, and they've been together each other for now three years. I think that is a significant factor. I think you're right. Uh, you know, you and I have, and all of us have talked to these coaches behind the scenes, and they don't use it for an excuse, but they'd kind of say, you know, these guys are young, and you know, we we need we need to have them be together for a while. And now they have been. And I think they got off to a real jump by getting six uh, practices in at spring practice, where a lot of programs were had to cancel it because they did it later in the spring. They get they were able to get together in early June, where. Some other schools, including Pac-12 schools, didn't do that until later in the, the summer. I mean, they really had a consistent run in getting these guys prepared, and it really showed against Navy. I mean, it, it looked like two opposite football teams trying to play each other. BYU came out very polished and just embarrassed the, you know, the Navy the Navy squad. And then they went on and kept doing that and built momentum. Um, but yeah, I, I think we got to credit these coaches because. They seemed to know what they were doing, but they needed the right elements in place. And some of that had to do with experience rather than just throwing some younger kids out there and say, okay, now do this. Now they're allowed to scheme. I think we've seen in the Houston game uh, and against the Boise State game, if you remember in that game, uh, they came out and they were kind of conservative. Dax Mill got covered. Uh, Romney got covered by some very good defensive backs. They started to throw it to Neil Powell. That's kind of what they had. And, um, they just couldn't get things going, but they came back out at halftime and made the adjustments to go ahead and attack down in in the uh, secondary uh, about the 30-yard length, and they started working. And, and within a few plays, Boise State was just done. The scheming that was going on with Aaron Roderick and Jeff Grimes and I think Fessy and putting things together. And then, you know, once they got that going and putting Mill in motion on that one play, um, they hit the, the, the tight end right down the middle, wide open. They split the safeties. I mean, the, the kind of scheming that goes on then is what you do when you have players that understand what you're doing. You're making calls and making adjustments. They're getting it. And because they're getting it on the run and doing it quick, you're able to do so much more. And I, I think that's probably the maturity of this team over the last couple of years is you're able to do that and speak to them 
on the sidelines and at halftime to make adjustments, and they get it and they do it. And I think they've lessened the amount of mistakes they make and miscues, just misfires. Just the red zone production right now is, I think it's like one in the number one in the country, um, and against you know this kind of competition. But they're putting the ball in the end zone when they get down there, making touchdowns, not just settling for field goals, and that's that's really good production. Dick Harmon joining us, sports columnist for the Deseret News. So, uh, assuming you're right and BYU wins the last two games and they're 10-0, and what level of confidence do you have that they'll be in the New Year Six and what level of confidence do you have that somehow politics and conference loyalties and money will rear their head and they will be playing somewhere else? Well, I think you're right, Dave. The, the system was, was built and, and reorganized back in 1980, the 1980s to keep a team like BYU and Cincinnati and you know, Central Florida and, and whoever else you want to plug in. It was built to keep them out. University of Hawaii with the undefeated season, it's built to keep them out. But this is such a strange year that you're going to look at things at the end and you're going to say, okay, if you have a 10-0 and or possibly if they get another game, maybe it's 11-0 and BYU, and you compare it with, say, the Pac-12 where the teams uh, really haven't even played hardly a schedule at the most, what, four or five, six games. You look at that, maybe they've just – administrated themselves right out of a, you know, a real, uh, you know, college uh, playoff berth. And then you have to start looking, okay, are you going to take two from the ACC, one from the Big Ten? What are the Big Ten records? How many games have they played? And the SEC, like, well, would it be Alabama? Would it be a second team in there, Georgia um, or Florida? Because they beat, you know, whatever, whatever it's going to be. It's, it's so strange and convoluted that maybe this is a year that just a sentiment is, let's go ahead and give – uh, a higher consideration to a team like BYU. Uh, I think BYU is better than Cincinnati because of the strength of schedule. Cincinnati's is worse, according to Sagrin. Um, but maybe it's one of those years where the committee just says, you know, let's look at this harder than we could uh, ordinarily. And yeah, maybe maybe we give them consideration where ordinarily no way, no way they would. So anytime that uh, there's an opening with that uh, Ruff and Dotson trio along with you, I expect you to be calling me. You know, we might be doing that because we'd like to see that, that controlled slice that you have and that <laughs> weird wind-up because I know it's effective. Last time I played you, you beat me by one or two strokes, and I was impressed. It doesn't look technically sound, but it works. So, yeah, I'll, I'll bring it up to the Dots and the rest of the boys and – we call ourselves the fairway pilots and we have a lot of fun okay <laughs> he's just got to compensate for that shoulder injury you know he's just such a he's just talented in so many sports he's a multi-sport star and just you know one day a little icy snowboarding and it, it jacked up his golf swing i know he, he does a lot of that right before tea time to, you know explain those injuries so that the bets uh you know can kind of have a little bit of sandbag factor to it <laughs> Dick, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for coming on and talking a little Cougar football. All right. Thanks for having me, guys. Have fun. There is Dick Harmon, columnist for the Deseret News. Got to get in on that gravy train, don't you, PK? Working for the Deseret News? No, I was talking about all the social media (laughs) pictures they post from all the golf courses they play. Yeah, Wes Ruff's in on that. I've seen those guys out there uh, playing a few times, all good dudes and all pretty good players. And you could take them all, couldn't you? I don't know. I'm not sure. Maybe not, not. Definitely not consistently. You know, I have my moments where I play well, but I also struggle some holes too. I mean, uh, a triple bogey is not beyond my realm 
really. Uh, a birdie isn't. That's the thing about golf with me. <clears throat> each hole is a potential triple. Each hole is a potential birdie. <laughs> well, that's the beautiful thing about the Masters. It starts Thursday, and it just, you know, for all the other majors, the Masters is the one there are just so many holes that a guy stand on the tee and you don't know if he's going to make birdie or par or bogey. And it keeps the tournament exciting. Whereas you can, at the U.S. Open, you're thinking, well, is he going to make par or is he going to make bogey? You know, and there's not going to be as much movement in the leaderboard. And the Masters, you know, how did four shots happen so quick? Oh, it's always easy. (laughs) It was easy. Oh, yeah, then you provide the mental aspect that goes into it. I mean, these guys, all of them want to win so bad. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Everything you missed in today's show coming up next. Stay with us. Let's go! The Big Show. With Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. Apparently there is a bowling alley having a naked bowler night. What a surprise you picked this story. It's unusual. Lisa's pet name for me is Bowler. There is one particular item of clothing that everyone must wear. Bowling shoes. Boy, that's one time you don't want to see Harry pick up the 710 split. (laughs) You have a one-track mind, you know that? How do I have a one-track mind? This is an unusual event. What sport would you most prefer to uh, to, to, to play naked? I'm not participating. <laughs> what about naked axe throwing? <laughs> the Big Show. Weekdays from 2 to 7 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Well, it's, there's no doubt it's out there and it's it's affecting literally thousands and thousands of people, depending how old you are. I mean, that obviously has a big effect on what kind of impact it actually has as far as you being sick and what you're able to do or not do. But uh, we've had some players that become very sick when was in the hospital. So it's there. And like you said, I'm not a medical expert. I don't want to try to expound on something that I really don't know much about other than that it has impacted us. And like I said, we've had one player that uh, had a tough go with That's Kyle Whittingham. During his press conference, he talked about the inability to play the Arizona game, the decision to push the UCLA game back a day, and the fact that the UCLA game is very much uh, hinging on how many positive tests they have in the week going forward. He uh, made it clear that they have had positive tests uh, all along, just not in massive numbers, and they've had false positive tests all along as well, but they had a real outbreak in the past week. So, PK, we don't know exactly who's out, nor did he confirm exactly who will be back, but it does seem like the testing the next few days will be critical to whether that game against UCLA is played or not, and he made it clear that they are getting guys who've been on the scout team, third and fourth stringers. They're getting them ready to play against UCLA. Who and how many is a mystery, but it's definitely happening. Well, I think that it has to happen. That's the question that I asked him as far as uh, how much is basically, I don't know, screwing up is the right phrase, but altering the way you would normally practice because those guys would be scout team guys and maybe you're having to slide them over to make sure they're prepared. So that's one thing. And also, two, I don't think it's unique to the University of Utah. I think it's a situation that is going on uh, throughout the league, and you don't know what is on Monday just may not be on Friday, and it's going to be a play-it-by-ear type of thing, and that's what we're going to have to do. Uh, What do we got? we only got a a month to go, five weeks, I guess, uh, before it's over, (laughs) so it's a kind of a hold-your-breath type deal for the rest of this schedule. And nobody's going to be surprised. We'll all be disappointed, but nobody's going to be surprised if there's more games. I mean, not having four U12 play on opening weekend, I mean, that sucked. It just it just doesn't feel like it's right. 
and and it doesn't feel like it's it's a true legitimate test of let's line up and play and we'll play each other nine times and we'll see who's the best. Doesn't seem that way, but nevertheless, play. If you get in three, get in three. You get in four, whatever it might be. Take as many as you can get, and if you can minimally relieve the financial burden. And some of these guys too, you know, these these types, especially some of these national media folk, and some here locally who love to lecture us about how these are kids. Yeah, these are kids who. Are, this is a job audition for some of them, you know, because they can got some tape on them and they can go in and show it then to the professionals and maybe it helps them get an invite to the combine and they can make some money and play get on a practice squad minimally you know we talked about just using utah's program as an example burgess and barton cody speaking i'm I'm speaking of weren't on anybody's draft radars going into their junior year and maybe even in their senior year and both of them went in the second day and are playing in the nfl burgess had the injury so he's out this season a couple weeks back but you know these are job auditions for some of these guys francis bernard you know he made a roster practice squad then he made a roster that's life-altering money for these kids so yeah get them out there even if it's just a few games and they can use that film if they play well and they can be evaluated and be evaluated positively so i'm all for it if they can only get two or three or four whatever it might be get out there so they did get out there in case of uh, eight schools playing four games, two-thirds of the league. Arizona-Washington didn't happen. In, uh, or excuse me, Utah-Arizona didn't happen, and Washington-Cal didn't happen. Apparently, Washington-Arizona as a makeup game nearly happened, but they couldn't quite pull it off, but they were serious about that. Uh, the game that caught most of our attention was USC scoring two times in the last three minutes, and I thought for the Pac-12, that was a terrible outcome. Because then people are looking at USC, you're not that good. You were lucky to win. And ASU, you're not that good. You blew it. It's just, it's the Pac-12. They cannot catch a break. That was a crazy ending, and it was entertaining, unless you're a Sun Devil fan like you. But I just don't see how that helped them out nationally. Well, I thought it helped them out tremendously. They got eyeballs. You see Slovis throwing for over 300 yards. They had over 500 yards of offense. And you're beating Herm. And Herm, it, it's just, it cracks me up. Herm was wildly just thrashed, and now he's wildly overrated. <laughs> so, and he's 15 and 12. He's not a bum, but he isn't Vince Lombardi either. <laughs> so, uh, he's somewhere in the middle. Uh, but so he gets a lot of runs, so there were eyeballs. And they showed the phenomenal nature of the way they won the game. I mean, when Auburn beat Alabama on that kick return uh, off a field goal, nobody says, oh, man, that's a fluke. I mean, they're not really that good. Yeah, the SEC gets the benefit of the doubt, but the Pac-12 doesn't. By whom? Uh, national media. The college football playoff committee. The college football playoff committee. And if they have biases, then it doesn't matter. If they already have the bias, then it doesn't matter what happens because they don't get the benefit of the doubt. So it, it's irrelevant then. I don't care what uh, Joe Blow writing out of Louisville, Kentucky thinks. He or she has no impact on it. They, they can write. And it's so in vogue to write what the, what they're going to write because you're not going to take any heat of it. So it's and most of the media, in my experience, is liberal. So they're going to write this guy was a bum. Well, you're not going to take any heat for that. So yeah, go along with the rest of the sheep and just say what's being said over and over again. We get it. 
We understand what you think. We know where your perspective is. You've told us that a million times. It's about the committee. And if they have the bias, which you just said that they have, they don't get the benefit of the doubt, which means they have a bias, then it really doesn't matter. SC could have won 30 to nothing. And it wouldn't have mattered because they still have the bias. So who cares? I thought it was a great game, and it was something that was talked about. I think Larry Scott got the exact bang for his buck that he was looking for, and he got the outcome that he wanted. You want SC over ASU because they've got the bigger brand name, and they're more likely to go undefeated. Rather, the, the Devils, I mean... That Herm- part, I agree with all of that. I just think the part where USC wins the game with uh, a deflected touchdown catch on fourth down. <laughs> and so that drives a highlight as opposed to a missed tackle by a linebacker because that's not as outrageous and it's not much of a highlight. Uh, bat the ball down, you know, if you, if you don't want it tipped up in the air. The SC receiver, who was it, Brown, made a great play to, uh, was it McCoy? Yeah. I was listening to Ryan Abraham uh, down at the Phoenix Station on Friday. and He was talking about, uh, SC isn't deep at receivers. No, they just have four NFL guys. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan Abraham, if you don't follow that close, comes on our show a lot. USCfootball.com. And, uh, four with two that are developing right behind him. Yeah, we're not. Yeah. <laughs> they don't not have six NFL guys right <laughs> now. Like, they just have four. No, he's uh, speaking relatively. They're, they're not good, relatively speaking. I mean, we know about St. Brown and Vaughn's. They're really good. And then this uh, Drake who caught London, uh, Drake London caught the winning pass. And then McCoy caught the, the, I think he caught the tip pass that you speak of. He was a kid who kept committing to SC, then the Texas, then the SC, and going back and forth. And now he's out on the field. And, you know, he just happened to be standing there. It wasn't yeah, committing, it was it. transferring. He transferred back and forth. Well, yeah, I, I know, but he still had to, in order to transfer, sure. you have to commit yeah. first. Uh, so, I mean, he was committing. I don't even think he was, he was transferring before he even went to either of these places. And so I don't think it was, because it was fourth down, it was somewhat of a desperation. It's just that it wasn't at midfield, so it wasn't viewed as a Hail Mary. So if you believe that's luck, Good on you, but uh, I don't believe that. Uh, I, I think it was St. Brown who tipped it. I have to go back and check. I don't believe that he just, oh, I'll just put my hand up. No, I think that was, if I can't catch it, I'm going to tip it up in the air because I know I got my guy over here, and the Devils weren't in position to make the play and knock it down, so I don't want to hear any of that. They executed, executed, the way Tyler Huntley would say. They what? The way they executed. The, the way they needed to, and they made the plays. And, and Herm got conservative. It's what he does. He's done that forever. His goal is to keep the game close and make a play. Well, that's, that's what happened. You let, your goal on that next to last possession was to make SC use its timeouts. wasn't to put the game away because you had a third and nine, and you just basically took a knee so SC would use a timeout. You didn't even try to get a first down. So I don't want to hear about luck. You blew the game. That's all that matters. We talked BYU this morning, now 8-0. and The New Year's Six Bowl game, so close you can reach out and touch it, but will it be snatched away? Or BYU versus the Pac-12 champ in the Fiesta Bowl. Game on! Uh, I think it's game on, man. I don't know who's going to be in that game, but I think the Cougars, because they could be in the Cotton Bowl too, mm-hmm. I, think that, uh, I think they're in, man. They're just too sexy. They're a sexy. They got a brand name behind them, and plus they got Zach Wilson. 
Zach Wilson, he's sexy. As a quarterback, he is. He's attractive. And these are TV shows. You know, we view it as competition. They view it as a TV show. Cotton Bowl, Texas A&M, SEC runner-up, one loss to Alabama versus Oklahoma State, the Big 12 champ. Because you got Rose and Sugar are playoffs this year, right? Right. So the Pac-12 champ will need a new home. The uh, SEC runner-up will have to go somewhere. And, you know, I guess the the path to BYU to get in, and we can worry about this more as we get closer, but 12 teams – Three from the ACC, because I think Notre Dame, Miami, and Clemson have lined themselves up well. Uh, three from the SEC, Alabama, Texas A&M, and Florida have lined themselves up well. But does the Big Ten beat itself up? Uh, Ohio State, are they the only team in? Probably into the playoff, but would they get a second team in after that? Um, one from the Pac-12, one from the Big 12. And Cincinnati, somebody from the group of five, let's say Cincinnati, because they, they'd be the team right now. So that is, uh, that's 10 teams. That leaves two spots open for uh, a Pac-12 runner-up, a Big Ten runner-up, BYU. There, well, there is no a path big, there. Are no there's Big a Ten runner-up. No Big Ten runner-up. That's interesting. And you're going you're gonna to take a Big Ten runner-up, Indiana, and ship them all the way out to Glendale? In, in this Seems world, unlikely. Which we live. And I would also think that maybe you should throw uh, Wisconsin in there as a possibility. Wisconsin ain't. Are they even going to play? They're going to play fewer games than the Pac-12. <laughs> They're not going to play fewer than the Pac-12. They could play seven. I mean, you got the Pac-12 down at five or six. They're not going to play four, I wouldn't think. I hope not, but you don't know, man. Utah's already right in the middle of potentially only playing four regular season games before they even play a first one. True story. I mean, that's how bad this sucks. Northwestern is 3-0. That'd be another team. And thankfully, we got uh, Pfizer with the uh, the vaccines coming out after the election. Oh, I didn't say that, did I? But it's coming out. Man, things are looking up, Dave. Pfizer, stock market on fire. Look it up. Oh, I, ju- I read the man's tweet. Now, I got this guy wants me to uh, to read on the air these, you, you, you conservative folks. Uh put out that, uh, sorry to announce that uh, late last night, around 4 a.m., Boise found some extra points and they've been added to the scoreboard. And so they actually won 52-51. to 51. Shocker. And ESPN, Fox Sports, and the NCAA have all verified these points to be true. <laughs> and the result is real and final. Yeah. Now, this, this comes to us from a highly, highly, highly conservative person. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> Stick to sports. <laughs> Keep your politics out of sports. I have no politics, so I am willing, more than willing, to stick to sports. Absolutely. Well, my sister told me on Saturday she opened up the garage and pulled the car out into the driveway and started beeping the horn wildly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my other sister actually went to the Cardinals game yesterday. Oh, yeah? She was yes. there, huh? Yes, yes. Brutal game by the Cardinals, man. They had a chance to establish themselves, and they just choked and rolled over themselves. Fourth and one, third and one. They couldn't get first downs. Yeah, I guess that they do season ticket holder seniority, and she has a real good friend who has been a season ticket holder since they played at Sun Devil Stadium. So you're going way back to the 80s because I think, what was their first season, like 87, somewhere in there? Somewhere in there, yeah. And they played a number of years, obviously, before they moved over to uh, Glendale on the west side. 
and this person has been a loyal season ticket holder, but her husband is having some health issues, and they couldn't attend the game, and she's a uh, big-time friend of my sister, so my sister went to the game. She said it was really, really weird uh, because they have season tickets, and they've been they've had them for a number of years now. They just and they're used the to and they're used to sell out crowd, of course. And now there's this smattering of people. She's never been to a San Diego State game, huh? <laughs> or or uh, a West Coast Conference basketball game, mm-hmm. save Gonzaga and BYU and St. Mary's. <laughs> well, Arizona was up 31-24 at home, and Miami got 10 in the fourth quarter and won the game. So yeah, that was a massive game. toe felt, stubbing. I felt bad for her. Uh, as a loyal, passionate Cardinals fan, and I was rooting for them. I was watching it on my uh, my Sunday package, and then going back and forth, flicking uh, the Pittsburgh coming back, and then watching the Chargers Raiders. I've really gotten into the Raiders this year. I'm surprised at how much I've gotten into the Raiders since we broadcast the games, and have their color analyst Lincoln Kennedy on every Friday morning at 8:30 or se- yeah, is it no? It's 7:30. Uh, It'll now be 7.30 because of the time change. Yes, and so uh, with that, yeah, because he's coming to us from Phoenix, and they don't have uh, the time change. So anyway, uh, San Diego, or not San Diego, Los Angeles Chargers continue to lose, but the Raiders found a way to win, so good on them, man. Maybe there'll be a playoff team in their first year in Vegas. That will be something. They are five and three right now, and they are certainly in the uh, in the mix for that. That not all the five and three teams are are going to get in. The AFC's uh, loaded with them. There's nine teams right now at five and three or better. So someone will get squeezed out. Raiders, yeah. Colts, Browns, Dolphins, all five and three right now. Uh-huh. So a long list. Uh, your Cardinals, although that wasn't good, there's no way to spin that. Uh, and if they'd won, they would have been six and two and tied with the Seahawks for the top spot in the West. And they would have had the tiebreaker. Yeah, but uh, Seattle, uh, Seattle's defense just got shredded. In, yeah, I mean in, that's in, their in weakness, Buffalo. no question about it. Josh Allen looked awesome. But the difference is there are only six teams with winning records. No, I guess there's seven teams with winning records in the NFC. So. A little easier path there, although somebody's gonna could get in with a losing record in the NFC. We'll have to see. The Eagles seem to be getting back towards 500. They've won a couple games. Maybe they can pull it off. Uh-huh. All right, that's a smattering of what we have talked about this morning, the Utes, the Cougars, the college football, the, uh, the pro football. We're going to take a break. When we come back, all of your feedback, everything you've had to say about today's show. All right, DJ and PK, the Masters coming up Thursday, and you win a golf once again with the Masters giveaway. You know the deal? Uh, The prize is a putter. Which putter remains to be seen? It'll be a putter of the same brand that the winner plays. So the zone is pairing the top 25 players with a listener, and also we'll take a 26th qualifier who will be given the field. And the field includes uh, Tiger Woods. So, you got that going for you. Uh, we asked for a caller. When you call her 12, you'll at 855-340-ZONE, you'll be assigned a golfer. Who are they going to play for right now, Yak? We're going to go with Sung J.M. All right. Be caller, number, man. be caller number 12 right now. Get qualified in the Uinta Golf Masters Giveaway. Brought to you by Uinta Golf, serving Utah golf since 1971. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. Now let's get this party started. 
This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. There are a couple of reasons that I didn't become a doctor. Same reasons you what, didn't what? become a paleontologist? Why do you crack a smile and well, then I'm make just, a joke? I'm just saying, like, yeah, there's a couple of reasons I wasn't a lawyer. Number one, the LSAT scared me. Number two, I thought I'd fail miserably. And number three, I didn't think I was smart enough. So, yeah, there are just a couple of reasons why I didn't become a lawyer. Can I make a point without you attacking me? I'm not attacking you. Like, you've never talked about wanting to be a doctor before. To me, this seems like you were just right on the cusp of going to medical school. And then just these one or two little things came up and made you think, no, I'm not going to do that. Doctor. 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 Can you not attack me? You know, it bugs me when you do that. Doctor. 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 Stop playing that. And doctor. Well, we miss anyone? Hanson Scotting. Weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Hey, just wondering, do the youth still play football? Ah, the rivalry never dies, PK. Utes have a game canceled. Sounds like the second game is in the definitely maybe category. And BYU is 8-0. Do the Utes still play football? Do they want to still play football? Yes. That yes. came in from Wade, by the way. Thank you, Wade. I, you know, I have a hard time making fun of this situation here this year. So you're not, a Cougar, the, you're not a Cougar fan? I you, am, too. You don't live the rivalry. I do, too. <laughs> well, then it should be easy for you to make fun. <laughs> no. Because I, 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 the circumstances. I mean, they want to play football. You think that they're celebrating? Oh, that great. Is No. I mean, nope. It's on. what they do. I mean, they're getting separated from their normal routine of life. And whatever your normal routine of life is, you don't want to do that. It's your, it's your routine because on some level you like it and you're good at it. So they want to play games. What I don't have is the rivalry, a passion to mock the other. See, that's the that's the key thing you're missing right there. But the hardcore Utes and Cougars still have it. We got yes. plenty of tweets here, uh, like that one, that that take right there, and plenty of uh, BYU hasn't played anybody tweets. Come which on, they Boise State's Boise. Boise State's two and one, and I guess we don't know how many games they're going to play. But assuming they play all eight games, aren't they going to end up six and two or seven and one? Why would you take anything else with Boise State? Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So while you can laugh at the rest of the schedule, you can't laugh at the Broncos. You know they're good. And you put 50 on them. Come on, yeah. man. Yeah, it was, and it was effortless, man. There were so many big plays in that third quarter, and it did go into the fourth quarter. But they, they came out of the locker room. The, the first half was, was hit and miss. I mean, they were up 16-3, to three, so that's a good half. If you do it again, you win 32-6, to six, and certainly that's a dominant performance. But I think there were just BYU fans who were like, we could have scored there, and we could have oh, scored yeah. there. And they're right. They got turnovers, and they had short fields, and they didn't capitalize. And so it definitely feels like missed opportunities. And then the third quarter started, and there were exactly zero missed opportunities. They went oh. 60 yards. They went 80 yards. They went however many yards they needed. Right down the, the field. The thing that I liked is after the onside kick, all right. All right, we're going deep. Well, yeah, they ran right. it, and Katoa got hurt on the first play, but on the second play, they went deep. All right, you want us to come back and score again? Oh, okay. we're, we're still playing? Well, we're on. still playing. You're onside <laughs> kick and throwing it deep? I guess yeah. we're still playing. Kalani was asked after the game, like, what, what was the reason for sending back there? Well, they're going to onside kick. What are we going to do? I don't blame them. I don't blame them. Who knows? You did it once. Who's to say you couldn't do it again? All of a sudden, the game gets tight. No, but I like that. Uh, you'd have to think in their mindset, at least psychologically, it was maybe take your foot off the gas a little bit, and then the onside kick, boom, score. 
and the kooks come right back. All right, if we must, we'll show you what we can do again, and then score. The- Somehow, of all the touchdowns, in my mind, that was the sweetest. No, really? Yeah. It wasn't the 86-yarder to open the game? No. Like, oh, they have come to play. That took two. They had terrible field position. They backed up an own five-yard line. They come out throwing. I like that right away. Nine yards, second one. You can do whatever you want. As soon as they hand it off, I'm like, all right, just get the first down, move the six, keep going. Because second one's, you know, traditionally it's a great down to throw the ball on. You can pick the first down up on third down. Nope. But no, they hand off, and all of a sudden, I mean, this is right down Broadway. He's peeking over both shoulders. And they were at their optimum in terms of emotion to play the game. There they'd already probably thought to a lesser extent, this game's over, he's going to start subbing soon. And so they they had to change their mindset, and they still put it on them. And Boise's thinking, all right, maybe we got a shot to make it at least respectable. Nope, the mindset that wasn't near the same in the first possession as it was at the end, and they still managed to score. It was like they were toying with him at that point. And if you can toy with the opponent, that is the best place to be. Now a bye week for the Cougars. But that won't stop the tweets and the Facebook posts and the social media uh, from flowing. Nonstop. We do have a lot of people who've weighed in on uh, what can they say now that BYU stomped Boise State. Uh, People will say it's against a third-string QB, and the Cougars will automatically say, yep, and we beat you with our own third-string quarterback last year. True. Brent says, yeah, if they had the starting quarterback, BYU wins 51-28, maybe 51-35. But the 51 was the real deal. Actually, maybe they win more because maybe they're in heightened awareness knowing, hey, Sears is pretty good. That receiver is pretty good. So we got to be on our game even more. How do I know? How do we know they don't put 60 on them? Come on. Come on. All right, DJ and PK, we're out of time. Coming up next, it's Scotty and Hands. Stay with us right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. If you missed any part of today's show, it's available at 1280thezone.com, including Kyle Whittingham's press conference. He talks about the, uh, the positive test, the false positive tests. Uh, the players who've been sick, the player in the hospital, and the fact that he needs to get some players back to get ready for the UCLA game. And they're preparing right now, practicing some, uh, some, some players who were on the scout team to get ready for that Bruin game. So that's all up at 1280thezone.com. So is uh, the interview with uh, Dick Harmon talking about where this BYU team compares with some of the really good teams of the past. 1280thezone.com. Scotty and Hans are up next.